I had the privilege of working with that agency over and over and over again for a solid year. The money is rolling in in a way that it hasn't before. And then things shift, right? The work dried up with that agency and I didn't have work at the beginning of the year for months. And because I hadn't put the effort in trying to get more work, I was basically working for this agency and I couldn't share any of the stuff that I was doing publicly. Hello and welcome to episode 77 of Webflail. I'm your host Jack, your failure connoisseur, and today my guest is Jeremy LaRue. You have no doubt seen Jeremy on a live stream. As one third of No Code North, a keen visual designer and developer, and database and API integrationer, he's no slouch in the Webflow space. Fascinatingly though, Jeremy has had an unusual path to Webflow development. He came to web design and development from working in the entertainment industry as a director and writer. He's also the founder of Country Everywhere, which celebrates LGBTQ+, BIPOC, and disabled country music communities. A fascinating podcast ahead as we delve into these different parts of his life, but the failures that we'll discuss today are undervaluing the work and his skill, building country everywhere with a field of dreams mentality and putting all his eggs in one basket. So embrace and learn from failure in episode 77 of Webflail with Jeremy LaRue. Jeremy, welcome to the Webflail podcast. Thanks so much. It's great to be here. It is beautiful to have you. The last time I saw you, we were doing high intensity live stream and you're wearing the same shirt plus the fin sweet shirt as well you're always wrapping the merch i gotta love my i love my fin sweet so hey who doesn't yeah. it's 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 the shirt that i keep seeing people wearing and i'm like i've got to get some merch i've got to get some more merch <laughs> love the webflow merch everyone's releasing merch but they're they're the kind of old school old school merch people now i want to ask you a question that is pretty fundamental to this podcast what is your relationship with failure? I think it's changed. I think I'm more comfortable with it now. And I think that's because, well, you do it lots. So you get more comfortable with it. And I've had, you know, the ability to be able to fail pretty large in, in different arenas. You know, I guess development has been kind of the, the latest one of doing that. But I mean, I I made a film, I was an actor, uh, a lot of things that I had a safety net that allowed me to fail. And I think that was, that's been kind of the, the thing I've been thinking about, about failures, like the ability to have that safety net, that financial freedom or a particular place you live, you know, you're not having to worry about other things going on in your life that allow you to take kind of the, the bigger risks. And I think that's something that's not addressed as much as like this idea of like the ability to fail and fail larger comes with a bit of privilege and to be able to do that. So, you know, people have talked about like having kids being one of the things. I'm I'm in awe of Maggie, who is one of the No Code North co-founders and what she pulled off last year while having another baby and stuff like that is just like the that kind of pressure and everything else is not something that I have to really concern myself with. And so there's there's other things that I can do to 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 reach out and, and branch out. So, yeah, I guess so. I'm more comfortable with failing now. Not 100%. I mean, everybody, when you try new things, you like, you want to be good at it, I think. 
I think most people do anyway, but you get more comfortable with like just trying things and knowing it's okay that, yeah, it didn't go exactly as well. What I learned from it now we move on and try something else. (laughs) Yeah, that makes total sense. I think there's a kind of like mentality to, you know, being comfortable with risk and, and, you know, that's kind of like a muscle that you build up as, as you try stuff, you fail, you realize you're not going to die and then you do it again. But like you say, there is an objective like reality that you know if something really goes wrong if you've got money to to you know support you or you know family that can take you in that's something that I've been realizing more and more as I've talked to more and more different freelancers and stuff it's it seems like quite a lot of freelancers have had a great upbringing and you know have got a family to go back to if everything goes to shit or they can just get a full-time job but the real truth about it is you know, to, to take big risks that might really go wrong. You do need to have, I think, at least the mentality to be able to accept the consequences of, of things not going your way. But also, it really, really helps if you've got, yeah, either some savings or, you know, maybe family or really close friends that you can, you know, lean on in, in times of need type thing. Is that, have I interpreted what you've said correctly? Yeah, yeah, I think it, it definitely is. I mean, my my husband's been a huge support of like all of the different things that I've tried to do over the years. You know, we've been together for over 20 years now. So it's like a long time of like one of the changes that I it's just retiring. So is like switching who the breadwinner in the family needs to be and stuff like that. So there's like this a little bit of different pressure of like the time that we're at right now. But still, because of the life we built up, there is still the flexibility to still fail and not have these, you know, other consequences of it. And 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 so that's the, you know, that support is definitely helpful. And so I I couldn't do the kind of type of fails that I've I've managed to do without having that. I, I think that's important to acknowledge. Yeah, definitely. I guess at like different ages as well. Like I kind of look at your 20s as a kind of workshop phase. You know, you're just like trying stuff, you're building stuff. You don't necessarily have like family obligations and other things. And then in your 30s, if you choose, you might have a family. And then, you know, I've spoken to Josh Jacobs on the podcast about this. And he was like, you know, when I started having a family, I was like, you know what, I just need a regular income and I need to like put them first and that security and spoken to maggie about similar things you know with a kid it's just different isn't it so she's still doing an insane amount of stuff i honestly don't really understand how she does what she does but anyway and tell me a little bit about about your past then so i mean we've got writing directing you've got this beautiful image on your on your website of you looking by a camera like hmm, i think with this shot should be a slightly different like you've clearly got a kind of artistic um skill set but then you transitioned more into web design and and development so tell me a little bit about that what was that for financial security that you tried you chose that path or kind of straddled those two career paths or tell me a little bit about that so for me i think it all started with music that's kind of so i'm uh i was a singer songwriter and i was going into country music and i was like well i guess through my teens and into my early 20s i guess before that i wanted to be a priest but that's like a whole other story (laughs) lots of lots of shifting in in my life let's put it that way but i was also coming out of the time and country music did not seem like a 
viable option. And so I walked away from pursuing that, that career. And then I kind of was still wanting to do stuff with music and I was getting vocal training and I, I started doing auditions for like musical theater. And then that actually just transitioned to doing plays and just regular theater, which transitioned to film and television. And part of the film and television transition was like, theater makes no money. This is where the money is in acting. So like, you know, at least having some sort of kind of plot there. And and while I was doing that, I was also working full time. Retail was like a liquidator place. And I and that was actually that job allowed me to do a lot of the things. The 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 owner was very flexible with my hours and what I could do. So it was it was kind of the perfect match for for that at the time. So I was very lucky to have that. And then from I wanted more control because in acting, it's more about like, can you get the audition? Can you get the job kind of thing? And so I was like, okay, I started moving into writing as well because I was doing songwriting and stuff before. So I moved into writing and then that transitioned into, I didn't intend on directing my, my short film. I actually had hired another director to do it and things kind of fell through. And then I also realized that this particular story was probably best told by me. And that's kind of ultimately where the, sh- the shift was because it was a full circle from me walking away to country music to coming back to country music. It was about a, a closeted gay country star and having to deal with the relationship, you know, basically making a choice between his career and his relationship. And so, and it was weird because even in 2018, it's still like a valid argument in country music. <laughs> Like 20 years later, we're still having the same kind of conversation about, you know, closeted and and people who are accepted in country music and people who are not. So that's kind of where the shift took. And then as far as like development or web design's always been there. So it's like, I also grew up with computers. My dad actually at one point in time was in business with my uncle and they were like making their own type of PC kind of thing. You know how everybody kind of had their own like, build their own PC and then they would try to sell it. And PCs always kind of had that different than back is like, there's been like different brands and stuff like that. And so I've always had them in the house. And so when the internet came, it was like, I'm going to have my website. And then as I progressed with acting and everything else, it was like, I needed the marketing. And so, and then I wanted to help other people do that. And so I started making websites for other people in the entertainment industry and but it wasn't my sole focus. And so when you do talk about the shift, yeah, the the shift to like going full on and harnessing development and whatnot came because in 2018, I made my film and we took it to the film festival in 2020. The pandemic happened and everything in film stopped. Oh, it was like a shift had to like happen. And so that's where it was like, okay, well, I need to focus on some sort of stability and also knowing that my husband was getting ready to retire, I knew that there was a, he's never put the pressure on me, but I always, I don't know, I think people want to contribute and, and, and do things. And so you want to make sure that you're, so the shift was to, you know, make sure myself was more financially stable in something I could control. And that was the one thing that I found with doing stuff on the web and, you know, from the position I'm in, I can learn and apply. 
and I don't have to ask anybody else for permission. Like with even in film, like with acting, even directing and writing is like, you still have to get somebody unless you're, you know, independently wealthy, you can't just make film, <laughs> Like that's not the way it works. And so like, yes, I can make up a, a short film on my own dime. And I, even then I did uh crowdfunding for it, but I put in the last bit myself, but you know, a feature film or something like that to get your foot in the door you have to be pretty much independent wealthy or somebody has to give you money to be able to do that. And so not having to ask permission to learn a skill and be able to apply it is really what kind of transition. So I was always doing it, but now it was like, okay, this is the focus now. And with that, I had to put the other stuff aside. I had to be like, okay, well, this is my focus now. That makes a ton of sense. And I guess like your first your first jobs, you'd already kind of got such a wealth of experience and met so many people, I guess, through all your acting, film, music, all of that experience that you kind of already had a network enough to to reach out and say, "Hey, I'm shifting my focus fully to this now. This is what I'm. This is what I want to be kind of more known for." Is that kind of how it transitioned? Kind of not actually, because the niche that I was wanting to work in, like my old, if you go back to like the Wayback Machine and you look at old site, I started out as True Reflection Media and now I'm going branding as myself. But True Reflection Media was helping entertainment people. So it was doing demo reels. It was also doing websites and stuff for particular people in entertainment. But the thing about the entertainment business is especially people around the same level and there's no money for that kind of stuff. And so that's not the target market that you want to be trying to get to, you know, make an establishing career in this. No, where I was really fortunate is when we started NoCo North. You know, I saw what Raymar and Colleen were doing pre-state of flow and everything else like that. And they were huge mentors to us for starting NoCo North. But I approached Neil Lorenshaw through one of, I think it was probably a YouTube thing that we were on at the same time. And I was like, do you want to start something? And for Canadian web flowers and no coders and so that's how it started and then we asked maggie if she wanted to join and the three of us started no code north and it's the relationships building that in the community that have actually led to the opportunities like it's that has been where the opportunities have come from for me is like the networking of that versus it's almost like a it's almost like a past life you know with the the entertainment industry because there there's some overlap but the people that I was talking to in film and in writing and stuff, they don't, they don't talk the same language. So, you know, it's, you, you're creating kind of a whole new network of things. I want to just highlight something that you said there, that, that you essentially kind of your existing network didn't really suit where you were trying to get to from a position of, you know, I want to be financially stable, support my husband through retirement, et cetera. And, like you say, you, you kind of needed to transition how people looked at you or at least like, you know, be like, okay, I'm just going to park that. I know you know me as Jeremy from this world, but I'm going to step into a new world. And how you did that, I think is fascinating as well, because a lot of people might think, well, if you want to get clients, then why the hell would you set up an co- online community? Like what? Well, that doesn't make any sense. But actually, I've been speaking to a lot more people recently who've said that a lot of their work hasn't actually come from cold outreach or anything like that. It's actually building a network within the Webflow community 
providing value to other freelancers and agency owners. And by virtue of that, there's this kind of law of reciprocation that I think kind of comes around. It's like, you know, if you're if you're genuinely trying to help other people get work, learn skills, etc., then you know it's it's kind of strange how things kind of come back around and clients you don't necessarily need to get new clients to get new work actually maybe in you know through helping other freelancers and and agency owners who aren't necessarily your competition they might actually be collaborators you know amazing things can happen so i just wanted to highlight from that from what you said yeah the i think the collaboration part is key i think instead of treating everybody like competition i'm shifting into like app building and and stuff like that and there's even probably a smaller fraction of people that do that and if you treat everybody like their competition for you doing that especially on newer tools and stuff like that like it's i feel like we all learning we can all there's so much like it's you know we talk about webflow being this you know small microcosm in the whole span of the internet that's got so much growth potential well, so do these new app building things like Wiz and and and, and Xano and and any of the other databases and stuff like that. So, using no code and low code to build apps is also a new thing, and you don't have all the answers. Like part of it is like you're like this trailblazer in this thing where you're like trying to figure it out, and everybody else is trying to figure it out at the same time. So, it's better if we figure it all out together than trying to do this on our own. And yeah, the the ability to collaborate with each other and stuff like that. So not looking at people as competition is a huge thing. Tell me about failure number one, Jeremy. Undervaluing your work and your skill. Is your design any good? Is that the right color? Is that copy any good for conversions? If only there was a tool to help you answer these questions. One tool built to test Webflow sites for all. Enter OptiBase, the A-B testing tool for Webflowers. Test anything you can think of. Colors, layouts, buttons, layouts buttons no credit card needed sign up today by clicking the link in the show notes out now for web flowers everywhere back to the episode so i think it's easy to undervalue yourself when you're working in something new like when you are whether you're you're working in in webflow I started Webflow in 2015. So the this idea that I was coming into something new that I was learning, that I didn't really know how it all worked. So how much can I charge people for? And like, can I charge people for it? And also this idea that I had to get over with this. I think it's a, it's a theme in my life is like the whole asking for permission thing. And so I had to get over that. But it's taken a long time and I still... And, in some ways, I'm only really learning the true value of what I do or, you know, what that can present and how that can present because I've done a lot of free work over the years. And it's great when you're starting out, like I think building, you know, a website for friends and family and stuff like that. Like when you first start out, you're trying to learn the skills. 
I don't see anything wrong with that. It's just, it's kind of easy to get in the trap of like always seeing like, oh, well, can I get a website for you? Oh, you don't really want one? Oh, okay. Well, like, and that's part of it is like in the, in the, in the film and entertainment industry, nobody had any real money to want to invest in, in that kind of thing, but you'd want to help and want to build your portfolio in a particular niche. Like I was convinced that this was the niche I wanted to like, I want to help people in, in this, you know, my community. And I think that's been, that's been a running theme of things too, is like this idea of like, yes, you want to do community stuff and help people and stuff like that, but you also need to take care of yourself as well. And so that's kind of been that, that thing, but yeah, the undervaluing comes from that wanting to like, is it okay if I do this for you? And it's a very kind of Canadian thing, but I think even more so coming from the entertainment industry where you are asking for permission. And so you're getting away from having to do that, I think is. And even up to last, was it last year or the year before, I had built a website for someone and they used it for like six months. Then they changed it without even letting me know. And they changed it to like a glorified link tree. So like I'm going through my portfolio links and it's like, what the hell is this? And that's happened a few times where if you don't value what you're putting out there, if you don't know what the value is, that people don't value it and they don't think it's worth it. And so that's where the trap comes into is like knowing that what you're doing is worth and kind of have an idea what that is to the market. Not just to like whatever little niche you're trying to do, but like what's the whole market look like? And that was a big eye opener when I started working for the the first agency. And I think that was for like real money, what I considered like real money in, in the industry compared to what I was charging before. It was like, oh, that's the actual value of what this is to people, what I do. And that was a huge eye opener. And that only came in the last couple of years, you know, with building up no code north and having those opportunities like that's that is what you know that's what that turned into and so now i know what the value is and and so i feel much more comfortable in that in that space and i think that doing the free stuff or like the community stuff is important as well but limiting it right you can't help everybody and and so that's the other aspect of that is like i think Lawyers do it sometimes, right? They have pro bono stuff that they do. They make whatever their their billable hours are and they feel comfortable doing that. And then they have some stuff that helps out other people on the side. And so I think that's important to have that kind of balance as well. Yeah, that makes a ton of sense. If there's anyone listening that's starting out and they are trying to decide, you know, how to build their portfolio, right? And you know, they might have friends who are like, hey, mate, I've got like 200 quid. Can you help me with a website or whatever? Do you think that that's a good way to to start out and to start building your portfolio? Because I've, I've heard different people say different things, you know, that, that I think my experience with it is like if you sometimes if you work with friends and family, like you say, because you haven't put a value on it and their family and it feels weird to charge them. But if you don't charge them, then projects might just drag on forever and they don't really understand that you've like paid work that you need to prioritize and i don't know what what are your thoughts there i i think you know everybody's situation is different right so if people have a network of it's hard i've worked with family um and things have gone horribly wrong with it um so and 
that's been a learning curve on on things as well. But in general, if you start doing, I mean, everybody's got to start somewhere. So I think some people will start on Fiverr or something, you know, else like that. But I think low paying work, like if you keep yourself there, will only get you more low paying work. Like you're not placing the value on it. So if you're getting a skill set built up, like you've done a few sites and, and always like up your rate, like not up your rate forever. Cause I think that's the misunderstanding of some people. It's like, I'm just going to keep like upping my rate every new project or something. Like, I think there's a limit to what you can do for that. Uh, at least, you know, to wherever the market is, um, then you might be moving into like a different brand of market or something like that. But as far as like, okay, like you said, 200 quid or $500 or whatever you, you know, you're going to start at. And then you'd be like, okay, well, the next one's going to be a thousand. And the next one's going to be this. And so until you start, I guess, making what the market is in whatever that is. And sometimes the other thing is local is different than what you're going to get out of country or other things. Like the US market is different than me working in the Vancouver local market. So understanding that as well. But yeah, I think, I don't think there's anything wrong with doing, you know, starting out doing websites for for friends and family if that's if there's the right friends and family to be doing that with like that's the that's the that's the catch right if they're not valuing your work and yeah if things are dragging on forever and or you know they're they think they can have a billion revisions on something they're never happy like there comes a time where and that's where working with friends and family becomes difficult because you also have those personal relationships that can be affected by them so some people work well with friends and family. I am personally like, no, that's that's not something I'm going to do again kind of kind of thing. You know, that being said, one of my longest clients is a voiceover artist that is a, is a friend of mine. And she values what I do. And I value what she does. So I think there's a good connection there, you know. And so that's where I think, you know, that's where the kind of breaks the rule that I'm already establishing, right? That's, yeah. that's the hard part in it. It's expectation setting. Like, you know, if you set clear expectations with whoever you work with, I think the working relationship is, is going to be all right. And and I do think when you're starting out, like you don't really know how to manage a client. So I think that's sometimes where working with friends and family, which generally is like when you're just starting out, you kind of learn like, okay, I need to set boundaries here. Like it's healthy even if it's difficult sometimes in my experience. So yeah, I think it's I think it's a judgment call on depending on time and you know, financial stability and all sorts of different factors. I kind of put you on the spot there with a difficult question. Sorry about that, Jeremy. Next difficult question. Tell me about failure number two, building country everywhere with a field of dreams mentality. What does that mean? When so the first iteration of Country Everywhere was actually in response to the the film I made. I had, I, when I was making my film, I was looking for other few country artists. And so I did internet searches and found the typical three or four that were around at the time. And then I found a whole community in New York that I didn't even know existed. And so when they stepped up and then they helped me make this like digital download and offered their music for it to raise funds for my film and they didn't know me from anything. I was kind of 
blown away by it, but I was also thought that if other people knew that there was a larger community out there, that it would help the younger person I was when I was 20. If I knew that there was that, I might not have given up on the dream and left country music. Like that's the kind of, the kind of ultimate shift and the reason for what, why I started. And so it started as a directory. I actually ended up almost giving it to a LGBTQ online publication. Unfortunately, that publication basically treated their staff horribly with like racist microaggressions and against the trans community microaggressions. And so all of the writers actually wrote a letter saying not to be part of this anymore. And so I had to like pull everything down. Like I I couldn't stand by that. And um, so luckily I, the person was frankly too lazy (laughs) to do the work. And so this is another case of where I built this thing, handed it to somebody um, and they didn't really appreciate what I did because <laughs> they could have grown it, but they didn't want the list or the responsibility. Actually, they wanted the list. They didn't want the responsibility of like building up the directory. And so I ended up pulling it and starting up country everywhere, like not intentionally instantly, but I had to like remove it from where it was, come up with another name for it and put it up instantly because I knew that it was getting traffic. So that's the first iteration. And then from there, it's been like, okay, well, I need to make this better so people will use it. And so that's where the idea of the app idea came in, where it was just about being able to update your profile. Because in the past, you did in a directory kind of situation, you'd like ask people to be put in a directory, make an Airtable form, get them to fill it out one time, <laughs> done. And so, you know, if they needed changes... They would have to contact you. You'd go into Webflow and make the changes. And, and so it just becomes this thing that's not really sustainable. And so I was also very interested in app building and, and stuff like that. And so I like started in Firebase and started playing around with that idea of doing it and and getting more comfortable with that. And then Wiz came along and I rebuilt it twice. And, <laughs> and we also have like, I also went through a rebranding because I knew when I originally yanked it from the old site, the, I mean, I just put up, you said at the beginning, I was a designer. I'm not a designer. So I won't take credit for those kind of, that's kind of skill set. Joe Krug from FinSuite actually is the one who changed my mind on like needing to be a developer and a designer. And he talked about like, just, you know, it's okay to be good at developing and wanting to develop and build that skill set. And so that's where I kind of, made the shift where I don't have to design. And so I hired uh, Brianna Nicole and she came on and did an amazing redesign of, of Country Everywhere to be what it is now. Like it's night and day from what it used to be. Awesome. That's that's great that she managed to come on board. And this comes again from like the community stuff, doesn't it? Because you did you meet her at one of the live streams and we're like, hey, let's collaborate. Yes. Yeah, that's exactly it. So it was a community connection where it was like, you find out, you, you, you meet people from the community and you you find out that, you know, they'd be a great fit for this. And actually, I did end up working with someone else that ghosted me. So the, the rebrand took a lot longer because I started working with someone and then they just fell off the face of the earth. And so it was just kind of, a, and that every time something like that happens, you kind of get your 
sales kicked out, out of you. But I guess the question you asked, which I've like gone the long way around, the, the fail was thinking that if I just build this thing that's useful, people will just use it. And that's just not the way things work. The field of dreams mentality is like, if you build it, they will come. And with country everywhere, that just hasn't been the case. And so, yes, I think it's an incredibly useful tool for people, but I have to somehow also translate that value to people. It's like, it's not just this assumed thing. It's like, oh, of course you want to be on this directory that is going to help uh, LGBTQ, BIPOC, and, and disabled people in country music. Of course you want to be part of this because it doesn't exist. So why wouldn't you want to be part of this? But that's not the way it works. And so Connor Finlayson, another Noko Norther, kind of gave me some tough love and he talked about like putting it out there. And, and so I did start a newsletter in September last year for, uh, for Country Everywhere. And I have to pick it up again over the holidays. It got dropped a little bit because I got burnt out. But you know, I have to pick that up again and and also work. I'm working with uh, Penny right now on messaging. And it's like, so how do we get people to, you know, think this is important and, and explain the value to people as opposed to just like presenting facts about the thing. I'm a builder. And I think I, what I realize is I kind of have sometimes a disconnect between like, well, yes, this thing is useful. Why wouldn't you want to use this as opposed to like, why will this thing help you and what can this thing do for you kind of thing. And, and I think even in my own marketing for what I do is like, well, I just kind of put myself out there as this. And if you don't kind of like either show your work or do things like that, that's great, but nobody's going to come knocking at your door if you don't put the effort out there to, to share, you know, why, you'd be a good fit for somebody or, you know, that kind of thing. You have to get that conversation started. Love that. Features versus benefits. Oh my God. The amount of things that are happening in the Webflow space where people are just kind of launching stuff and it's like, I don't know why I should care. And they've obviously spent so long preparing, you know, building, talking about why people should care. You know, then they build something where they think this really helps. It's like, you know, I'm not even opening it yet because it's like the subject box of, a, of an email, right? Like, unless you unless you nail that, no one's even going to open it. So, yeah, I think, yes, I think this is a wider conversation in the Webflow space, but 100% thinking about the value that you're providing. Again, I had this conversation with Matt Evans. because He was like, he was talking about what do you want to be known for, i.e. like, what's the thing that people care that you do that other people don't, you know, what's the what's your USP, as it were, as a human, which is quite a weird question. But I think it very much relates to kind of niching and, you know, what do you, what value do you particularly provide well by virtue of you know, your background or your network or whatever it is. But yes, very pertinent point. Thank you for bringing that up. Tell me about failure number three, putting all your eggs in one basket. Hey guys, just jumping in here to say that Flowfest has been launched. The website 
is now live. So go to flowfest.co.uk to get yourself a ticket for the 11th of July. The 11th of July. So I have nothing to do with organizing this one, by the way, but this is Isabel Edwards, Ash, various other amazing humans that are involved. It's going to be a great meetup. Like Isabel is just awesome at organizing stuff and she always throws herself into stuff 110%. So well worth going. She promises loads of nice things, three no-code talks, food, drinks, outdoor games, live music. I mean, this thing is taking meetups to another level. I mean, combining a festival and a conference is a mad idea, but it's going to be sick and I'm so pumped. So anyway, get yourself to Manchester if you're a UK-based webflower for the 11th of July. It's going to be it's going to be mad. If it's anything like the website, which is sick by the way, it's going to be like the best event of the year. So Yes, get yourself to Flowfest uh, website, copper ticket, see you on the 11th of July. Back to the episode. So I had the, again, I will call it a privilege of being able to get connected with an agency. And then I had the privilege of working with that agency over and over and over again for a solid year. It was like a good solid year of work. The money is kind of rolling in and in a way that it hasn't before. And then things shift, right? And so an agency might not have as much work or something like that. And during the time that you're working hard for someone, you might not be putting any effort into that whole sharing bit. Or in the case of sometimes, I think this is something to be aware of when working white label for agencies, is kind of figure out a way to be able to share the work, whether it, it, you know, have that conversation with them. We'll go back to the, like, asking for permission thing, right? It's like, oh, I'm working at this level now, and this is the expectation that they're putting on me. But it's like, well, I'm also providing a value, and I have to think long-term about what is going to benefit me as well, and where we can make this, like, I'm all about win-win relationships. That's what I am wanting to build with people, is like, I provide value, you provide, you know, value and, and it's a fair exchange and we feel great about it and we want to continue working with each other. That is ultimately the kind of stuff that I want to build. But if you're coming at it from an imbalance of like this need or this like asking for permission bit, you don't feel comfortable having those kind of tougher conversations, which aren't really tough conversations. You just have them built up like, oh my God, this is going to be like this thing that's going to stop the work and stuff like that. But I'm like going off tangent because that's what I do. But uh, as far as doing that, the conversation about being able to share the work somehow was something that I needed to have sooner because I wasn't, I was basically working for this agency and I couldn't share any of the stuff that I was doing publicly. And so this becomes this thing while I'm working, I'm working on these amazing projects and I can't share anything. So how am I supposed to get work from other agencies or other things if I can't even share what I'm doing? And so that's kind of, that's a conversation, you know, and different agencies are going to have different levels of comfortability with it. The one that we came up with is they didn't want necessarily their whole 
clientele, you know, if somebody searched for their client, they didn't want it going to my website. And so, which is a fair point. So we ended up putting it behind a password. If you go to my website, you can go in, you just basically enter the password that's listed and you can see the agency portfolio. And in my mind, because I'm working with fantastic designers and everything else, the level of the work looks different. And so people get a better idea of what I'm capable of just by being able to have that link on my website. And that was a conversation that didn't happen because I didn't ask for it for like a year. And the reason that I ended up asking for it was because the work dried up with that agency that I was working with and they were just going through a slow period and it just stopped instantly. And so like the year previous did not reflect the next year of that, like the the last year was not the same as the year before because, you know, I didn't have work at the beginning of the year for, for months. And so it, and because I hadn't put the, you know, effort in trying to get more work, that was like thought, I have all this work coming in. I don't need to, you know, look for more and stuff like that. And so that is kind of what I'm trying to avoid is like getting into that pattern because I think it's easy when you're like working, you're like, oh my God, I'm, I've, you know, I'm, I'm tired. <laughs> I've done, you know, you're, you, I've been doing, you know, the side project country everywhere. I've been working full time on these other projects. And, and so you're tired of doing that third step, I think, which is of putting yourself out there. But it's a super important thing to do to be able to share what you're doing and being able to let people know how you operate. A hundred percent. I think there's this, there's an important part of this, which is like the more comfortable you are having difficult conversations, the easier your life is going to be type thing. Like have those difficult conversations and have them as early as possible. It sounds like maybe if you had this conversation with this agency early doors and said, look, I'm doing the work, you're getting the work. I understand that it's officially your work, but you know, for me to potentially get more work in the future, I would love to be able to show this on my portfolio. Does this work with you? Let's work out how this can be a win-win for both of us. Potentially, I could get leads coming in through my website and I could refer them to you and then we could work together or whatever. You know, there could be like a win-win scenario like you talk about the importance of. But I think sometimes in our head, we're like, as people pleasers <laughs> in the Webflow space, there are a lot of us who, you know, are used to trying to trying to please clients, trying to please other people. And you're just so grateful to get creative work that you're like, sweet, I just get to do the creative work. But you kind of forget about the importance of, yeah, what's next and, and what happens if this agency that I'm depending on for my for my income doesn't continue to provide or relationships go south or whatever might happen in the agency world. So my takeaway from what you've just said is have difficult conversations and have them early and make sure that you can show the agency work that you're doing on your portfolio and you know specify what you did and what you didn't do obviously but as long as you do that then then you know hopefully it will show what you're capable of independently is that fair yeah it's i think it's it's very fair to be able to to show what you're doing you know, whether you can't post it necessarily on social media and stuff like that, but being able to direct people besides, you know, sharing the link in an email with a potential, like I did that for a long time where I was just like, okay, well, I, my portfolio doesn't really have this stuff on it, but here you can go to all these links. And it's just like, it's just not the same, not the same thing. And, you know, different agencies are going to feel 
differently about this necessarily, but you have to have that that conversation with them. And I think part of it is it's like in a lot of contracts, it's just kind of spelled out. And so you think, oh, well, if I'm going to work with this agency, I got to go buy this contract. And I think with contracts are something that can be negotiated. And I think that's something that also, if you're coming from an equal standpoint or feel like you're coming from an equal standpoint, then you can feel like you can make those kind of negotiations. If you feel like the, there's an imbalance and you, and that whole undervaluing yourself, that's when you don't feel like you can do that. It's, you know, all these lessons that we keep learning. And I think I keep learning the same ones in different you know areas of my life that eventually maybe I'll get them. But, you know, that that is definitely it. You have to be able to show what you do and the progression of what you do. Hey guys, just jumping in here to say that the web flavor of the week is Zeke. That was the best web flavor of the week little intro I've done. He says, hey Jack and Jess, this podcast is so vulnerable and honest. Couldn't come at a better time as I'm about to start a new role next month. As designers who are listening, we feel less alone. A thousand thank yous. Fan from Singapore. Zeke, that is one of the most lovely messages I've seen on Twitter. Because I think this whole idea of freelancing and freedom and, you know, being able to do what you love and stuff and and be creative and move shapes and stuff and design and develop is really exciting. But it, it can feel quite lonely. So it's really, really nice to hear that you feel more connected and that you're less alone because, you know, other people are going through the same problems you are. So awesome, awesome to hear. If you haven't listened to Jess's episode, she drops some really, really valuable advice all about leadership but also setting boundaries and i guess just becoming a better designer and developer like you know how do you take feedback how are you an empathetic human that can give and take advice so anyway give that one a listen if you haven't already zeke thanks so much for writing that comment as always feel free to write nice things and make us feel good about this whole web flail project thanks so much Back to the episode. You don't get what you get given in life. You get what you're prepared to negotiate for. Lessons from Jeremy in this episode. I feel like though, you know, when you are early on, you're trying to learn where your boundaries even are. Like what you're meant to say yes to, what you're meant to say no to. You're learning the power of no, just like you're realizing that no is not actually a bad thing to say sometimes, because I think you're kind of trained at, you know, from from early age, or at least I certainly was at school, you know, you kind of do what the teacher tells you. And I think there's this kind of strange relationship when you go into the working world where you're not really taught how to negotiate. And then you are just, you kind of do what you're told and whatever you, whatever you experience is what you think is normal. And then suddenly, you know, and that's the importance of coming back to what we said earlier about, you know, no code north and finding a community of people that are in your space, which is invaluable, you know, just realizing, hey, oh, it's not normal to not be able to show any work on my portfolio from the agency that I'm working for. Okay, that's good to know. Like, you know, that it's, it's quite simple, but important things to realize there. Yeah, for sure. I think being in the community and learning from the community is such a vital part of all of this. 
you know, it goes back to that whole idea of not being in competition with people. I think if you feel like you're in competition with people, then you're not embracing the mentality of being able to share tips that you've learned, tricks and things like that. And so, or you feel like you need to monetize them or, or things like that. And, you know, there is a place for that. And I think, you know, people that are doing things consistently and building up those kind of, you know, great educational materials at a high level, I think there's super value in paying for that information and stuff like that. And they're putting it in a, in a, in a way, in a, in a course or something like that. But there's also a lot of people that, you know, with the Webflow showcase, not showcase the, what is it? Kind of the showcase, but the, no, the, I guess the, the clonables. That's the word I was looking for. Like with the Webflow clonables that have been around for such a long time is like, I learned this thing here. Here's how I did it. Here you can dissect it and, and whatnot. And some of them come, you know, people make videos for some of them or whatnot. And I've, one of the best clonables I made is actually this accessibility, making accessible components in Webflow. And I've never kind of finished the whole accessibility thing, but I think it's incredibly important for people to start doing it from the start of their Webflow builds and, and stuff like that. And it doesn't have to be complicated. I think everybody like gets really terrified when it comes to accessibility and like, oh, how do I make this accessible? And for the most part, Webflow makes it incredibly easy if you just kind of follow HTML structure and all kinds of things like that. And then for the things when you get more complicated with modals or carousels and stuff like that, you have to do a little bit of extra stuff but it's not impossible and it's not that difficult if you know how. And so I think that particular one is one I want to continue with uh, in all my free time. Uh, it is, you know, it's it's that kind of thing, like sharing that kind of knowledge helps the community on a whole. And when you do share those things, people do notice. And then that stuff does come back and it may not be the way you think. And it may be years later, you don't know what those relationships are going to bring. But if you bring value to the relationships that you do have, then I think people appreciate that. And, you know, you talk about what you want to be known for. It's like in the Webflow space, I want to be known for the person that is, you know, willing to learn, willing to work with people where they're at and, and you know, find those, those win-win relationships and stuff like that. And also offer value by, if I learn something, I want to share it with someone. Like that's part of like what my makeup has always been. Jeremy, what does success look like for you? you? We've talked a lot about where you're at. You know, you've you've done all sorts of different work for different clients now. You've realized how much people are charging and the lifestyle that you can now have off the back of the knowledge that you've accrued over years. Where are you, where's your north star right now? My North Star is like, is more about the, I know everybody says that, but it's balanced for me. So it's like, it's having the time to do things. And so one of the things that I'm appreciating where I'm at now is like, where my rate is, is like, I am charging enough so that I don't have to work 60 hours a week to, you know, do a certain thing. Like, and as you get better at something, it takes you less time to do it. So the other tip for people is like the sooner you can kind of move away from just an hourly, just hourly exchange for work, you know, that doesn't, that only benefits, you know, it can benefit it in certain areas, but ultimately 
you can't build the freedom if you're working all the time to slave away for hours. Like that is, and that's part of the thing about freelancing is you can build that and you can create that for yourself. If you kind of know where you need to be comfortably and it's going to be different for everybody. I think we had the conversation on the no code North thing. It's like 10,000 a month where that came from. It's like, so yeah, I guess depending on where you live, you might need that and you might need to strive for that and all the rest of it or, or whatever that looks like. But not everybody does need that. And it's not achievable depending on where you are in the world necessarily. And there's there's just different factors to it. But for me, it's like being able to have time is becoming much more important. And so for the next 10 years, I talked with my husband and, you know, he's getting older. So we're looking at like, this is the travel years. And so we've always kind of like pre-pandemic more so we did more traveling. But now it's like the bucket list travel items. Like what hasn't he done that he wants to do kind of thing and, and, and making sure that that becomes a priority. And so for me, it's like having the time and flexibility to do those kind of things and, and the freedom to do them, I think is, is that's where my, my North Star is. And then also being of service to the communities that I care about. Like that is the other, the other aspect of it. Thanks so much for listening to episode 77 of the podcast. Thank you to Jeremy and thank you to you lot. Plenty of topics discussed in this episode that we haven't actually touched on before. But there's one that I want to focus on for this conclusion, which is not putting all your eggs in one basket, which I don't even think we've talked about on the podcast, even though it's a really important one. Now, I know a lot of people start getting consistent work from studios as a white labeler. And then they're just doing the work, but they stop showing their work. They stop looking for work. They might stop doing, you know, the little bits of marketing and things that you might do if you were hungry and looking for work. But if that agency work dries up and that's the only pipeline of work that's coming to you, then just like Jeremy was, you're up a creek without a paddle. So Jeremy's lesson is to not put all your eggs in one basket And maybe talk to the agency about trying to show that work, as long as you're giving credit to the agency that you're working with and not just claiming it's all your work. But, you know, making sure that you have some kind of agreement so that you can actually um, continue to grow your own portfolio and potentially share things as well to get more work coming in. And just having an honest conversation with that agency that you're working with about, you know, what work's coming in? What does the pipeline look like so that you're not caught high and dry if that work stops coming. Important lesson that Jeremy learned there, and now he's a lot better off for it. Next week, we have Grace Walker coming on the podcast. She will be sharing everything about her minimalist house, her Twitter aesthetic, her freelancer course, and how she runs a small but mighty freelancer business, a thriving freelancer business, should I say. So excited to share that one with you next week. Until then, have a great week. Web playlist.